In episode 26, season 4 of Ravage Love, the gang bangs. It's episode 26, season four, <laughs> Ravage Love, Bartenders. <laughs> Bartenders! Hello, Renee. Hey, Julie. How are you? I'm okay. I'm all right. You know what? Don't date a bartender, oh. I think. Yeah, the, the, there's memes about it. it uh, dating a bartender is like dating a, like a, like a, like a line cook. Oh, just, yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. I... Yeah, I can't say I've ever dated a bartender. Have you? Uh, I have not, but I known bartenders and like it tracks. They're a bunch. They're a bunch. Yeah. I've. Uh, yeah. For folks who don't know, I've never been much of a drinker, so that could be why. Um, but yeah, I've never. I can't say I've ever dated a bartender. I don't even think I've ever been friends with a bartender, to be honest. Um, not like out of any willful, like, I will not befriend a bartender. <laughs> Just never come up. But I do enjoy, I mean, my favorite show of all time is It's Always Sunny. Uh, so no. I do, you know, and there's cheers and all of these. Like, I understand that a bar and a bartender, there's a lot of mythology that, you know, they're therapists and they listen to people's problems. And so, like, I get all that. Um, but not, uh, not my world. Also, as you know... When I did used to go to bars, it was usually garbage dance clubs where you're not really oh, yeah. chatting with the bartender. I'm not a pub person because I'm not a drinker. So unless I, I can dance, I'm not really going to a bar, you know? And I think the only time I've gone to a bar with you that wasn't like a karaoke bar, it was so you could dance and I could sit alone in a, <laughs> in a fucking like at Booth. a table by 100%. myself. Yeah. We went to, um, I think it was O'Grady's. O'Grady's Pub. Oh, yes, yes, on, yes. Off of Meadowlands. If you live in Ottawa, it's Meadowlands and Baseline. Mm -hmm. And it was, it had the booths for the Renees of the world. And then it had like a mm -hmm, mm -hmm, DJ <laughs> for the Julie of the world. Um, and in fact, that that's college actually... College crowd. Yes, that was actually the first and only time I've ever been drunk at a bar it's actually one of like two times in my life i've been drunk was at that exact place um mm -hmm. because i had broken up with my abusive boyfriend who was also my fiance and so a friend of mine threw me what we called a mock wedding um and so i just remember being at this bar in a white dress but like we knew it was ironic but all of these dudes thought we were like with a bachelor <laughs> part a bachelorette party and so they were like, yes, where are your penis necklaces? And I was like, what in the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, you're getting married. And I'm like, I'm celebrating not getting married. And they were like, oh, my God, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> and that was at that same bar. So memories. Um, you know, I think I'm I'm not a dancer. Like, like, I always joke that, like, I wouldn't even dance at my own wedding. Like, it just it feels weird. But now I give so little shits. That I, I kind of I can kind of let the music flow oh, through me. I can groove to it. I can groove a little that's, bit. That's the energy. Yes, Renee, embrace yeah. it. Be that person. I mean, dance is my first and forever love. I love to dance. I did ballet. It was like my first big love in this world. I love dance movies. I love like oh, if there's a show with like a subplot where there's like a dance crew, I'm like yes. <laughs> yeah, and also like. You know, we came of age at the heyday of some pretty oh, yes. good dance movies, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. so, I mean, my favorite movie of all time is Dirty Dancing. Like, I love it. Mine was Center Stage. <gasps> I loved Center Stage. <gasps> Ooh, I could watch it for hours. But I will tell Incredible. you this. Um, I, I used to have this little TV in my room and the VCR, and I had a recorded copy of um, Baby One More Time just like off much music Oof. and i learned all the dance moves to it and including um, the backflip no oh. i can do that in my bedroom come on <laughs> um no and i i took ballet i took jazz i took hip-hop i was i don't want to brag pretty good at tap dance oh pretty good. yeah oh i so, love this little factoid i feel like if you and i were closer like we could do ballroom 
together. We could do tap together. We could we could go do it together. But I I don't think I could do that on my own now. You're I'd right. And to be clear to listeners, you mean if we were closer in distance, not in souls. Okay. Because yes. we could not possibly be. Yes, we could not yeah. be closer in souls. But yes, I mean physical proximity. <laughs> you live in Alberta. I live in Ontario. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We could be the JoJo Siwa of <laughs> dance competitions. And be just blowing people's socks right off. We could. We could do lots of things. I mean, I think I've talked on the show before about my deep, deep love of a VHS tape I had in the puffy case, if you recall from the 90s, of Riverdance. Oh, (laughs) yes. How can we forget? (laughs) I watched the shit out of that fucking cassette tape. Um, Oh, yeah. Loved it. There's I feel like there's like musical theater kids. And then there's like dance kids and sometimes there's overlap, but I was 100% in the dance camp. Like I don't like musicals and shit, but if you take me to a ballet, you want to take me to some like a contemporary exhibit. I'm like fucking all day long. I'll go to that shit. I have to be convinced to go to a musical, but you never, ever have to twist my arm to take me to a dance performance. Oh my God. I was born for the stage (laughs) and I would be there now. But I was a teenage mom. And, um, you know, I just, like, I should be in Yentl right now. I should be, funny girl, I should be in all the Babs shows. I should have done in My Fair Lady. I should have been in Rent. I should have been in Cats. I should have, like, (laughs) I live, like, goth me, like, the only time I shed my goth exterior was for the stage. I was in Oliver. I was in Greece. I got, like... In huge trouble when I did Grease because I had gotten um, cast with black hair, but I bleached it and not thinking it was going to be a problem. Um, but it was because the only person who's supposed to have bright blonde hair in Grease is Sandy. Um, and it, I mean, I stole the show. I'm going to say that right now. Um, you can <laughs> of ask that anybody. I have no doubt. Of that, I have mm-hmm. no doubt. You are a star, I was, Renee. I really am. And I was the only uh, chorus member who had lines. So don't want to brag. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to brag because I'm a teen mom. So I was a teen mom. So I just, I've done nothing with my life since. <laughs> That's not true. I was in the vagina monologue. You absolutely like, were. Uh, I had a single line. It was pretty, pretty stupid. Um, I think you're a star. And I know that longtime listeners of the show talk about how much they love you on the show and how you're great at voices and you're just you're very inviting and you have a very performance um just energy about you so i believe it don't say that because next season i'll come back singing the intros um and they're all going to be show tunes and nobody's going to want to hear that or everyone is you've heard it here first if you support this plan slide into our dms and uh send renee some support because uh that it's just how you need to be. And, you know, I actually we- have to, since we're on the topic of like musicals, I just have to share the story because please do. It's so funny. Um, okay. So I was a competitive singer in high school before I was a teen mom. And um, so I did classical singing and like musicals and stuff. And I competed. I won a lot of awards. I want to brag. Um, I'm loving but, this brag sesh, living for it. <laughs> Lay it on but, thick. So one of my competition songs was I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis, which is very ironic considering it's about a woman who had premarital sex and her uh, lover left her and she got pregnant and had a kid. It's Fontaine. She had to go and like become a hooker. It was a whole thing. Um, it's, it's, it's really the intro to Les Mis, but I digress. So that was my intro song. Um, another person who famously sang I Dreamed a Dream was Susan Boyle, mm-hmm. you might remember. And I remember I was visiting my mom and, um, rest in peace, mom, I love you. Uh, and she, I was like singing that song as a joke. I was like, I dreamed a dream. And she looks at me and she says, Renee, you're no Susan Boyle. <laughs> i know i know i was like i i I guess not you're like 
<laughs> she it was basically like, girl, don't quit your day job. Yeah. Basically. It was so funny and I'll never forget it. So I listened to um like show tunes on the reg. Like in between like Iron Maiden and Dio and shit. I'm like <laughs> listening to Notre Dame de Paris and shit. But you and, know what? Um, I don't think that's surprising if like I don't I, at first, I was like that. You, people might find that surprising about you, but no, because you you love Meatloaf and Kate Bush, and these are like big theatrical singers whose albums are like concept albums and they're rock operas. So like, I, it it tracks. It really does track. Actually, thank you. Yeah, I love stories. You love like, a story. I love stories. And I remember yeah. when I first met you, when we first started becoming friends, like a gajillion years ago. Now, I remember being so struck by this like hilarious dichotomy in her friendship because you are <laughs> literally goth mom and I'm like fucking SpongeBob all the time. And so my music is always like cheery and bright. And, um, <laughs> and you were talking about how you can't listen to music if the lyrics are shit. And I yeah. remember laughing so hard and you thought I was like making fun of you. And I was like, no, no, no. I respect it. I just need you to know that the music I listen to is like Saturday night dance. I like the way you move. <laughs> like Come on, carpet. It was like, like, let's get down. Let's get down to business. Like that's a like poignant lyric in the world that I live in. <laughs> Here's the thing though, is that I... I was for a time in a band. I was a songwriter and um, it's extremely, extremely difficult to write a pop song. Like there's a science to it. And so I respect the fuck out of a pop song, like a jam that gets stuck in your head. Oh, Lady Gaga. Like, it could, Every, exactly. Lady it's Gaga writes brilliant. earworms. And I, I, I yeah, yeah, I applaud it because you're like bad romance. You read that on paper oh, and you're like, this God. is the dumbest song I've ever heard. And then you hear it and you're like, Oh fuck! It's like an itch. Like I can't stop scratching it. I'm like this poker face. You're like, oh god, this is a banger, yeah. and it shouldn't be. It should be so stupid. So yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely an artistry to like having a good hook and creating yeah. an earworm. I just think it's so funny how like 90% of the songs I listen to, I don't even think about the lyrics, and you're like lyrics first, and then everything yeah. else is second. And I'm like, I respect oh yeah, that. you give me some fuck and Krista Berg like. <laughs> Who all day, every day. Not Lady in Red. No, no, no. I'm talking Spanish train every day. Like, oh the my God. That cuts. was like the the only song that my son like my like Liam, when you met him, like he couldn't talk for the longest time. But he could sing songs and Spanish Train was one of his jams. <laughs> you got another thing coming by Judas Priest was one of his jams. Queen. Like, like there's something about lyrics to tell a story or like you hear something you're like holy shit that's so fucking smart but it's not like having to like listen to slam poetry it's like good oh 100 percent. Right? because if there's one <laughs> yeah. thing that our friendship does that both of us do have very much strong similar feelings about is it's no spoken poetry. word get your fucking spoken word out of my goddamn lesbian story in fact this week, I read a <laughs> lesbian story and I kept waiting. I kept waiting for the like, so on our third <laughs> day, we went to a spoken word show and they didn't. And I was like, oh my oh, God, this is delightful. Yeah. <laughs> because it defied expectation. Oh, it defied expectation because I love poetry to read it at home in the privacy of my home by myself with my own voice. Like, I can't handle the like, when one tree is cut another one grows like i can't i fucking cannot it's like in the air pollen exactly. on my feet dirt rupee car like I can't. exactly oh i can't i can't so that's actually a very good segue for me to rave even more about my lesbian romance this week because it was delightful and it did not have spoken word hooray hooray so this week, our theme was not musicals or Renee's love of lyricism, but bartenders. And so I read a book called Queerly Beloved, Ooh. lovely, by Susan, I'm, I'm assuming it's Dumond, but the French in me wants to say Dumont. Um, and she is a queer writer uh, from Little Rock, Arkansas, home of... Arkansas? Uh, from... 
Uh, yes, Little Little Rock, Arkansas, home. If you recall, do you know who famously is from Little Rock? Who has no. who who famously has an Arkansas accent? I don't know. Bill Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah, Bill Clinton's okay. from Arkansas. Um, and but she used to live in Tulsa, and this is important because this book is set in Tulsa, and I think that yeah. So she, this book is set in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it was written by a queer person who lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So the authenticity to being a small town, rural, like Midwest kind of queer was so fucking on the nose as a small town queer myself and you as well, Renee, we understand the struggles. Um, and so that's really what this, the setting of this book, which has a delightful cover, uh, which unlike many of the romances we read, the people, it's a cartoon cover, which is, you know, quite common in the romance shop. But you know how often we complain about how the people on the cover don't look at all like the descriptions of the people in the book and how annoying it is? Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. very much is. So you see a beautiful, beautiful dyke on a birthday cake and then a sort of femme looking woman also on a birthday or on a wedding cake. And so I'm like, I'm already sold. Um, I'm already sold. This book just came out in June of 2020, 20, 2022. So it just came out a few months ago. And I'm going to tell you right now, I recommend it. If you want Ooh. a like sweet rom-com with a little bit of politics, but like very queer affirming, very, very sweet, pick up Queerly Beloved. So I'm not going to give it all of it. Like I'm not going to get too into details because I really just... It's just, if you're in the mood for something sweet, this is it. This is it. So Amy is a 25-year-old baker by day and bartender by night. And she is a baker at a place called The Daily Bread, which is the best bakery oh. in the city, run by hardcore Christians. So at uh. work, Amy is Amelia and a straight woman who very much loves going to church and is the best baker they have. But in real life, Amy is a lesbian who is also a bartender at Ruby Reds, which is a Wizard of Oz themed dyke bar. Fucking nice. why are we not there right now? Like everything. And it was like full of kitschy Wizard of Oz memorabilia. Oh, yes. And at Christmas, they play the Judy Garland Christmas special. Like everything about this bar makes my heart sing so um but you know amelia aka amy is living this double life and it's like it's this tenuous thing where she's like i really hate working for these homophobic regressive assholes but also i want to own my own bakery one day and this is an incredible stepping stone and it's getting my name out there so i'm just gonna do this balancing act to pay the bills for a bit until i can kind of strike out on my own so she um Meanwhile, is very involved in the queer community in Tulsa. She is a bartender at a dyke bar. So she, you know, knows people. Her best friends are these two. It's this couple of the gay men. Um, and she's like kind of a little bit um, like she's like a like, I don't want to say like nerdy, but just like not as like flamboyant as other people. And she's femme. So she's able to pass as straight in most of the world. Um, she's very lucky in that her mom accepts her. Her mom was a teen mom. So the mom was already sort of ostracized by the family. And so her and her mom are kind of the black sheep in the family. But she's like, you know, I'm lucky. So many of my queer friends in small towns don't have any relatives anymore at all. So she's like, I count myself lucky. But God, I just I hate working for this fucking asshole of a, of a woman. Well, one day she's working on her own, closing up. And all of a sudden, this beautiful beautiful androgynous creature walks in and she is like who e who is this beautiful person wearing like short pompadoured hair with like a sweater and a men's blazer and then a back like a messenger bag like we're talking all of the flagging but then she notices that the messenger bag has a she her pin so she's like okay i'm gonna assume this is a queer person but maybe it's just like a very woke ally Nope. 
Her name is Charlie. She's very much queer, very hot. And they kind of have this little flirty thing going on. And then Amy surprises herself by like straight up asking her out and saying, well, you're new to Tulsa. You just moved here from Houston. Uh, sorry, from Austin, Texas. You moved here. You're an engineer. You work in the oil industry, but you're here to do environmental assessments. So like, yeah, you work in the oil industry. That's not great. But like you do environmental stuff. So that's cool. Um, and you just moved here. So she's like, how about I make we go on another on a date and it's really just me showing you around. So she's all excited and like really taken aback that she's like, wow, I broke up with my, you know, my ex broke up with me. It was a nightmare a few years ago. And like, I've, you know, never gone out with anyone since. Look at me. I'm so brazen. So great. So, um, then she, um, is like super stoked for this wedding, uh, for this, for the wedding, for this date, um, with Charlie and wanting to know Charlie and kind of getting out there. Um, and then, um, she, before she can go on this date, she has to go to a family wedding where she is literally sat at a table by herself with like the, a mixed race couple because the Christian family is like so regressive and she, but she really hits it off with this couple and they're like super fun. And they're like, Oh, when's the drinking start? And she's like, Oh, well you've clearly never been to a fucking Christian wedding before. There is no drinking. And they're like, well, that's fucking shitty. And so they go back and they have a little flask and they have a little sippy sip. And then the, the woman said, Reggie is her name says, okay, I know this is really bold because I just met you, but my bridesmaid backed out of my wedding and she can't make it because of some prior commit. Something came up. We've already paid for a hotel room. We're going to get a refund, but like, do you want to stand in my wedding? Cause then we'll have an equal number of like groomsmen and, and bridesmaids. And like, you seem super fun and like you work as a baker and stuff. So, you know, wedding stuff. And she's like, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't know. I don't want to go there. And like, that's really like, like, I don't know that I would have, would you stand in a wedding of someone you just met? I don't know. I don't know how I, how I could, if I felt like I could do that, but she's I like, would. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. Like why not? It's a, it's a story. True. True. That is true. And then they say to sweeten the deal, we're getting the 250 bucks back from the hotel room. So if you want, we'll pay you 250 bucks and then you won't have to like, it'll make up for having to miss a shift at work to come to the wedding. And she's like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. And they're like, turns out the bridesmaid dress is the exact same size as you. So it's literally, you can just step in for her. And she's like, oh my God, this is so great. So the next day she goes into work and she's like all excited that she's got this date coming up and then she's going to be at this wedding. And like, isn't this going to be a fun story? And then her boss is like, um, well, you know that this is a Christian establishment and you're a sinner. So <gasps> you can't crime. Uh-huh. And fires her, which is perfectly legal in the state of Oklahoma. So she and all of her colleagues who were chummy chummy with her moments before are all like sheepish and looking away. And she's just like, you fucking cowards like da 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 da. So now she's out of a job. So she's like, fuck, here I'm going on this date with this like bougie engineer and my car is broken down and I can't afford to fix it and I have to leave it in the parking lot of the place that just fired me for being gay. Like, can I get any fucking worse? So the next day she goes on her date with Charlie, shows her around, they hit it off, they're like a house on fire, but she doesn't want to tell her that she got fired because she's like mortified by the whole situation. They have a date. Um it goes well they have a little kissy kiss at this place it's very sweet it's very romantic and then they start going on dates on their second date they bang it out which was not descriptive which i was saddened by but it was described in a very clever way but seems to all go well but then the next morning she says to Char charlie hey i know this is weird but like i'm going on i'm in a like i'm at a wedding tomorrow do you want to do you want to come to this wedding with me and charlie is like super freaked out and it's just like well that's kind of soon and uh uh no sorry i have a prior commitment and then just kisses her on the cheek and leaves so she's like oh fuck what did i do i ruined this thing she's like okay goes to the wedding she's amazing at this wedding renee she is like solving problems left right and center there's like problems with the boutonniere she's like i got it i'm gonna fix it the problems with the cake she's like don't worry about it i'm gonna fix it um does all of this stuff and then realizes like huh this is actually like pretty fun and it feels very fulfilling to like help someone on their big day i like helping people um and then one of the brides like bitchy sorority sisters who all day it was just like very fucking annoying 
uh, finds out that she got paid to be there. And so Amy's mortified and is like, oh my God, this is going to make the bride look terrible that she had to like pay to have someone come help her. But the bitchy sorority girl is like, oh my God, did you get paid to be here? No, that's great. I need a bridesmaid for my wedding because I had a falling out with my friend. So do you want to do it? Thus sparks Amy's new business where she is a professional bridesmaid who is basically like a wedding planner in a sense that like she'll come and she'll help you and she'll be a bridesmaid, but she'll also help you do all this other stuff that she's really, really good at doing. So she starts a business and it starts doing real well. And she keeps dating Charlie and they have these really sweet moments. There's, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Renee, I have never heard I don't think we've ever had a, like, period sex moment in any of the books we've read, have we? No. Right? And there's this, like, really beautiful moment where, like, she, they're hooking up and, like, she goes down on Charlie and Charlie's like, okay, your turn. And then she's like, no, I'm on my period. And Charlie's like, I don't care. And then she's like, oh, it just feels, like, too intimate for me to, like, it feels too vulnerable for me to do that with you because we haven't been together that long. And she's like, okay, whatever you're comfortable with. And I just thought that's sweet like that's a real thing that happens to people but we never see it in any of the books that we read so that's a first that was a first for the show awesome so she's like into charlie but also didn't tell charlie that she got fired she made it seem like she left of her own volition and then doesn't tell charlie that she's not out to many people so she feels like she's lying to charlie in a way because and then asks charlie kind of on the sly like are you out at work and she's like, girl, I get men's haircuts and wear men's suits. Like, I couldn't fucking be closeted if I wanted to. Like, they know I'm gay. <laughs> they just treat me like one of the guys. It's not, like, it's not great because I'm not a guy. But, you know, I don't really get bothered. Why? And she's like, oh, no reason. And then she's like, oh, I guess, like, as a femme, you have to, like, come out to people because they don't expect it. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's why I asked. <laughs> um, And so she um is, like dealing with her big feelings, not really knowing what to do. Um, and then finally decides, okay, I'm going to invite Charlie to come to Ruby red, an event at Ruby red. And I want to introduce her to my friends. And this is like a big deal for me. Cause it's the first time I've dated someone since I broke up with my ex two years ago, her friends are super, super stoked for her to come out to this like arts and crafts thing at a Christmas party. And then Charlie doesn't fucking show up, which <gasps> of course her friends are pissed. If you told me that I was going to meet your new partner, and I was, and then your new partner didn't show up. I'd be like, dump them. They're not good enough for you, Renee. And that's absolutely where her friends were at. We're like, well, she sucks. So then she's like really heartbroken by it and tries to play it off like a cool girl. Like she doesn't care. But Charlie's like, you know, I'm really sorry. Um, and then eventually like tells her, look, I'm sober. Uh, and that I didn't want to tell you, but I just felt weird going to a bar and I told myself, it's fine. It's fine. Just go. And then the day of it came and I just got too freaked out and I didn't want you to confront me about the fact that I wasn't drinking in front of your friends. And so I just was a coward and I didn't go. Um, and Amy's like, okay, you really did hurt my feelings, but thank you for telling me now why it is. And that it's not that you didn't like me. And Charlie's like, no, I really like you. So then New Year's Eve happens and Charlie's feeling like all this lovey-dovey in her heart. So she makes out with, uh, with Charlie at midnight and then blurts out that she loves her. And then Charlie doesn't say it back, <gasps> which no. like on the top 10 list of most humiliating experiences of your life, I would put saying, I love you and not hearing it in return. It's never happened to me, but every time I've heard of it or seen it in a movie or something, I fucking crumble inside because that sounds like a nightmare situation. Oh my so God. obviously she's not doing great. And then the next day she like the next day she sends Amy this very vague, like a text that's like, Hey, I think I need to take some space. We need to pump the brakes, blah, blah, blah. So Amy's like, Oh fine. She just want to be with me. This is what she's breaking up with me. So she's all bummed out. And then she's continuing her job of being a bridesmaid. And there's all the shenanigans that go with that. And then one of the weddings, they're like, Oh, we want you to come to our bachelorette party as well. So she does. And they're like, let's go to a gay bar. And they're Ugh. like the obnoxious fucking straight girls who want to go to a gay bar. Of course, what happens? She goes, she fucking runs into people that she knows. And she's like, please don't out me to these women. They're like sorority girls. I doubt they're fucking queer allies. And then who does she see? 
fucking Charlie with her ex. <gasps> She's like, oh, no. And then Charlie comes up to her and was like, hey, what are you doing here? I didn't expect to run into you, but I'm so happy to see you. I really want to talk. And she's like, oh, you want to talk, do you? Fuck you. And fuck Autumn. Now, the way that Autumn, her ex, is described, it's like very much um, fucking what's her name from the L word? The like slutty one that's like super charming and androgynous and like whatever. Um, Jolene? No. Yeah, we'll call her Jolene. (laughs) And then Charlie's like, oh my God, I'm not here on a date with her. She was like hitting on me hella hardcore, but I was not into it. I just was like, I made things awkward with the only person I know in Tulsa. And so this woman invited me out. I swear to God, we're not together. This was not a date. I just want to tell you that I'm really, really sorry. I just am really scared of commitment and I really don't want to get my heart broken. And you told me you loved me and I do love you. I do. And then she's like, you do. And she's like, me, 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 me. And she's like yeah, that's why like, you know, I knew I loved you. Like I knew I was into you when I first met you. And you know, that's why, you know, when I came back with those flowers and to your work and, and she's like, what? And she's like, yeah, remember when I brought you flowers t- at work and said, like, can't wait to see you. And she's like, oh, you're the reason I got fired and realizes that Charlie showing up at work with flowers for Amy is how her boss found out she was gay and then she's like you weren't out at work and so there's this whole like miscommunication piece where amy's like i'm fucking mad that you got me fired but also how would you have known you didn't do it on purpose but also like yeah that's why i got fired by these homophobic pieces of shit so there's just a big old like reconciliation situation that happens and um they make up and they make up because charlie sweet sweet beautiful charlie who keeps being described as like a rachel maddow type and like mm, mm, yummy give me yum, a, yum, yum. give me a dyke with a pompadour and a and like a blazer with little like leather elbow patches and i'm like uh, oh, that's that's who charlie is so to really get amy in front of her and like declare her love to her and reconcile the situation she orders cupcakes under a fake name and Amy comes to deliver them. And she's like, supplies, it's me. I love you. Let's be together forever. And uh, they make up. And then the epilogue, you find out that they got married. Whee! And that she pivoted from being a bridesmaid where she enjoyed doing the wedding planning, but was often treated like shit by these women and had to be closeted. And instead created queerly beloved queer wedding planning. Oh my god! Where she can t- she can combine her love of baking with um, wedding planning, and then the book ends with a recipe for her famous strawberry champagne cupcakes. Oh my! Which gosh. I was like, what a sweet little addition, quite literally. So, um, queerly beloved is super sweet. Um, I loved the like. There's all this stuff about like. There's so much stuff I left out about you know Oklahoma fighting against gay marriage and all of these like, you know, conflicts that people have around Thanksgiving and Christmas when they're, you know, abandoned by their families because they're queer and like making your own community and the dynamics of like when you're living in a small town and your queer community is really fucking small, your ex, you're going to run into them. Like you're going to have to be okay with it. So like all those dynamics were super cool. Like I said, there was a whole conversation about period sex, which I was shooketh to figure out. We have never talked about on the show. Um, so in terms of spice, it's not spicy, but in the sense there's like no real graphic sex scenes by any means, but there was really good sexual tension, which I believe like it was well-written. So I'm going to give it two out of five ginger snaps for spice. And in terms of the accoutrement, um, at one point she uses a, uh, like a finger vibrator, like, you know, the, okay. so that's yeah. what I'm going to give it for its accoutrement because it was it was tame and chaste overall compared to like you know last week with monster fucking lake Ooh, monsters. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, chill. I know. Yeah. So what that? Um, <laughs> but it did make me want to start and open a bar called Ruby Reds where I could just lean into the tackiness of a Wizard of Oz aesthetic. Oh my God, this made me so badly 
want to open a lesbian bar because I'm obsessed with this documentary that's coming out about lesbian bars. Um, and how there's like I just, very few left in North yeah. America. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. I think we need to do it. I think I need a stage. I'm a tap dance. Um, and it's going to be great. I'll a tap dance in Ruby slippers. Oh out. my God. And then I'll show up and I'll river dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play some Ashley McIsaac or some uh, Rita McNeil or uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll do some fucking river dance to Ashley McIsaac. We'll get a fiddler in there. We'll make a whole situation out of it. Sometimes I think that you're dykier than I am. (laughs) Sometimes. Believable. It is believable. Uh, The Rankin family. (laughs) That's who I was thinking of. We'll get the Rankin family in there. Give them some Ruby Reds and a little Ruby Red fiddle. And what? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what did you read, Renee? Oh my god. Okay. Um, I read a book called Sugar Honey Ice Tea what? by Yeah, I me mean, I don't even remember who it was by. It was by Megan Wade. And Megan Wade also has other books called Marshmallow, Pumpkin, Pop, Sugar Plum, Toffee Apple, Taffy, Sucker, Cookie, and they're all straight romances with fat ladies. So I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm here for this. Okay. Um, mine was the first in the, um, oh my God, in the Sugar Curves collection. <laughs> Yeah. So Tilly, this fat lady who lives somewhere, and uh, she's taking care of her mom, who is a deadbeat. Her mom doesn't. She's got fired from her job, and uh, Tilly has spent her life parentified, making sure her mom doesn't die from her alcoholism. Ooh. Um, Tilly's working at a bar, and uh, she um, realizes that like. You know, their bills are going to get, you know, their the, the, the things are going to get turned off soon. And she's trying to save to go to college. That's all she's ever wanted. She wants to better her life. She wants to go to college. Uh, but she can't because her mom just like is a fucking loser and won't pay the goddamn bills in their apartment. Uh, so Tilly realizes like, fuck, I guess I have to use my whole paycheck to like keep these you know utilities on. And her mom's like, well... This bar up the road is looking for uh, table dancers. And basically, this book was Coyote Ugly subtitle Red Flags. <laughs> um, and she's like, Mama, I can't dance. You know, I can't dance. And she's like, Well, you gotta, you know, get these bills paid, girl. So you better apply. And she's like, Oh, Mama, I just, I just want to go to college. I just want to go to school. And she's like, You better get up on that bar and shake it. So she's like, Fine. So she goes to this bar and uh, she meets this guy called Elijah. And Elijah is as gay as the day is long. I don't mean that in the bisexual way. That's now a meme. I mean it like he's just a big homosexual. And Elijah is like, okay, well, we need somebody tonight. And um, like, can you dance? And she's like, no. He's like, well, can you pour a beer? And she's like, oh, yeah. And so it turns out she's a really good bartender. Nice. Um, Yeah, she's a solid bartender. So Elijah has this running joke with his boss where he calls him daddy uh, because he's a silver fox. And the boss thinks it's kind of like, oh, that's that's clever. (laughs) Uh, But Elijah wants to hit it in a big bad way. (laughs) But... Noah, the owner of the bar, the silver fox, the daddy, you might say, um, he sees Tilly come in and he immediately is like, oh, whoa, who's this curvaceous lady? Um, and he's like, I'm, I feel so weird. Like, I just, I want to protect her. Um, so meanwhile, Elijah's like, no, listen, she can pour a beer. It's all right. And he's like, that's fine, but she can't dance. She's not allowed to dance. And it's because he's like, she's going to be mine. Mm. And he's really protective and stuff. So first night there, all the other ladies are dancing on the bar. 
which to me feels like a really terrible drinking experience. Like, I don't want to go to a bar where you sit at the bar and people are on top of the bar. No. It's like your peanuts are going to go everywhere. Like, how are you supposed to enjoy your drink when there's like ladies clip clopping on the... I can't. No. It sounds like a bad time. Sounds like a terrible time. I agree. Horrible time. So he's made it clear that like she's not to dance. It's fucking footloose up in this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no dancing in my dance bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the next day she comes in and Elijah's like, you did a really great job last night with the drinks. You did so great. I'm glad you're here. Um, you know, but like, why, why are you working here? And she's like, well, I, I want to go to college. I really, just really want to go to college and I need to make money to do that. He's like, well, you're never going to make enough tips behind the bar to go to college. You're going to have to get on top of the bar. She's like, but I can't dance, Elijah. You can't dance. He's like, I could teach you everything. And so she gets on the bar and then they, you know, he's like, they like he teaches her dancing. Like, what are you talking about? You're a natural. She's like, it just feels so right. It feels so right to dance. And he's like, you're so good. And then Noah's like, fuck is going on here? I thought I said no dancing. And she's like, she's like, I'm so sorry, Noah. I'm so sorry. Um, so later he's like, Elijah. Thought you to- I thought I told you she can't dance. He's like, she needs money for school, Noah. He's like, then pay her more. And so Noah's about to leave for the night. And he notices that Tilly is like walking down the street. It's like one in the morning. He's like, Tilly, what's going on? And she's like, well, my car broke down and I have to get home. Um, and he's like, well, I'll drive you home. And she's like, it's not far. He's like, even better. Get in, get in. So he drives her to the apartment. But when they get there, her mom is like canoodling with some rando. And she's like, oh, okay, can we just like wait until they go inside and then I'll, then I'll go in. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, 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 no. My angel, you're going to stay with me tonight. And she's like, okay. Now I should mention Tilly is 21 years old. And Noah, I think, is 52 years young. So... Um, he takes her home and she's like, she gives him a big hug and she's like, thank you so much. And we learn that like, nobody's ever taking care of Tilly. Tilly's always taking care of everyone else. You know, she was a hard worker. She's been parentified. She just, you know, wants to make ends meet so she can try and realize her dreams and get out of the situation that she's been born into. But Noah is just like itching, itching to protect Tilly. And so they hug and it's fine and you know he's just like i just beat my meat all morning the next day in the shower because she's so hot and you're like oh jesus christ man (laughs) so noah's also a widower his wife had addiction issues which killed her so he raised two boys alone those boys the same age as tilly Mm -hmm. but i digress so they move on and uh she starts jokingly calling him daddy because it's just like the joke at the bar. <laughs> it's so funny. And um, then she realizes that she actually really likes calling him daddy. And he really likes being called daddy by Tilly. And so they decide after a couple weeks that he's going to move. He's going to have her move in with him. Um because he's in love and so is she and there's no way he can protect her if she's over at her mom's house paying her bills so he organizes to go over to the mom's house he's like he makes sure that all the mom's bills go to him making sure that she's not gonna get kicked out in the street and has tilly move in with him tilly the 21 year old who hasn't <laughs> even been to college Jesus. um who's had no life experience and this widower is like yum, yum, yum. now elijah her best friend now has come up with a side hustle for her to help her um, get to school. He's like, listen, you can auction off your virginity. He's like, it's stupid, but you can do that. And like, you can bankroll it and then you'll have money to go to college. And she's like, oh my God, you're right. So he puts her virginity up online uh, to be auctioned off, which I think is brilliant. Frankly, it's like if some stupid idiot is going to pay for like your hymen, you can't see, but I'm doing air quotes. Um, <laughs> then it's like fucking bleed them for all they're worth. Frankly, take every dime, every penny. Um, 
But Noah's not having any of it. And he tells Elijah to shut it down because if anybody's going to have her innocence, it'll be Noah. So Noah's moved her in. They're living together in sin. And he is hurting for this woman because he's like, your first time should be with somebody who loves you. And I love you. Uh, so they hook up and they're in love. It's only been a couple weeks, but here, here we are. Um, now I want to mention, just pause it here for a second. Um, I work at, I work at victim services and I recently had to go to a crime scene that was a sudden death. And the dynamic between the deceased and his wife was very similar to this situation. Okay. Really similar. Yeah. So, you know, art imitates life, Julie. <laughs> it just really does. So, uh, they're living together in sin. They love each other. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to send you to school wherever you want to go, wherever you want to go. And she's like, Oh, daddy, you're so great. She's like, how can I ever repay you? And he's, she's about to suck his dick. And who walks in? One of his sons. Oh, Who's like, daddy? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is disgusting. The only people who date 21-year-olds or other 21-year-olds are dirty old men. And he's like, how dare you? Until he's like, I don't want to come between you and your sons. And she runs away crying. And she goes home to her mama. And her mama's like, did you really think your sugar daddy was going to take care of you forever? And she's like, yes, I did. <laughs> and so uh, she, like, runs away from her mom's house and then the door opens and she's like oh no i'm being carjacked but it was just noah and he's like it's okay baby don't worry <laughs> my sons will come around they love they love me i raise them right they're gonna they're gonna accept us they just need to get to know you and she's like i love you daddy he's like i love you too my angel and then uh they fuck and then epilogue it's father's day two years from now and they're married and she is pregnant with his third son her firstborn and her stepsons show up and they're like, hey, Tilly, it's so great to see you. You look beautiful and radiant. She's like, thank you so much. Um, and uh, she's living her best life with her grandpa. I mean, daddy. I mean, lover, <laughs> husband. <laughs> and that was my book. Now, the, the gentleman on the cover is quite a spicy silver fox. One might say a spicy daddy. So they didn't get it wrong. Uh, okay. But this book was they're supposed to be sweet not spicy he was not a sweet daddy he was kind of gross in this book it was like he would say something really sweet and you're like oh my god what a guy what a guy and then he'd be like then i beat my meat or something and you're like oh <laughs> like he has a bruised penis right now or she'd be like oh my god you're so big he's like i know you're gonna fucking take it and you're like oh this guy looked so nice on the cover <laughs> Huh. Uh, How long was I, your you know book? <laughs> it was really short. It was like 50 pages. Really? Oh my god, that's so much. Like mine was like 400 something, so there was room. <laughs> no, they just, okay. Yeah, it was 59 pages. I read it on uh, my new Fire tablet Ooh. while I was at work. So it was in high definition, the pages, and uh, they were very big. And I wanted the book to end, but I definitely was reading it in the middle of the day and just started laughing because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> my colleague's like, what are you laughing at? I was like, just my other work. She's like, oh, okay. Um, so, I, you know, I can't even I can't even tell you what the sex scenes were about. They existed um, and they might have given me a little blush in my cheeks. That's how I gauge sex scenes as my visceral reaction to things. Um, but I was so taken aback by the dialogue between the two of them and how problematic so much of it was <laughs> that I just like I couldn't I can't tell you what happened in the sex scene, nor could I tell you, you know what? The only accoutrement I would give with this is somebody closer to her own age. Um, that's it. That's all I could offer. So what are you going to read? Ugh. Hope you're fucking ready for this because it Ooh. was a whole thing. Okay. Do I need any context before you start reading? The only context you need is that Tilly is like a stereotypical Southern girl where she's like, why? I don't know why this is happening. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Like, it's that's her. And he, in my mind, is just like, my dick. Um, so that's what you're getting. That's the only context you need, like genuinely. Okay. 
Okay. This is, uh, they've decided they're going to fuck. Because he wanted, he wanted to make sure she was ready for his huge dick. Okay. <laughs> okay, you ready? As ready as I will ever be. Huh, okay. We drive in comfortable silence for a few moments before I place my hand. Oh, it's not even her. It's him. Oh. Sorry, it says Noah. <laughs> my bad. We drive in comfortable silence for a few moments before I place my hand on her thigh and give her a gentle squeeze. If you're nervous about tonight, I don't mind waiting. Oh, it's that. I mean, I'm nervous, but in an excited way, I want this to happen very much. You seem concerned, she shrugs. It's just my mother. I want to ride off into the sunset with you and find our own happily ever after. But I worry for her. She isn't particularly good at looking after herself. The water getting cut off today being the prime example. I know she's a grown woman and I can't look after her forever, but I've already taken care of it. Her head snaps to my direction. What do you mean? Listen, I've... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Listen, I've been where you're at. I've taken care of someone who's so hell-bent on ensuring their own destruction that they never really get a handle on life. Your life? Yes, which means I also understand the guilt that comes with moving on. So to ease your burden, I've arranged to keep a roof over her head and for her bills to be sent to me, the rest, food, etc. She'll have to take care of herself. Oh, Noah, I didn't have... Uh, you didn't have to do that. I would have done it yourself, I know which is precisely why I'm doing it for you. You've already given up so much. It's time you get the chance to do what you want. She places her hand on mine. I don't know what to say. Thank you, Daddy, might be a start, I say, as I pull up to the curb and cut the engine. Thank you, Daddy, she gasps, throwing herself at me across the center console. You're welcome, Angel. I pat her, uh, pat her back and her hair holding her as she sobs quietly into my shirt. You keep calling me angel, but I think you're the angel. No one's ever done anything this kind for me before, not in my entire life. I don't understand. You barely know me, Noah. Why are you doing so much? I wipe her tears away and kiss each of the apples of her cheeks. You're my baby. I love you. It's as simple as that. Noah, she whispers before she leans into me and presses her lips against mine. I love you too much. So much. Take me upstairs. I want to feel what making love to you is. We don't waste time. As soon as we're through the door, my mouth is on hers, and she's pushing my shirt up over my head. You have tattoos, she comments, her eyes moving over my bare skin before her hands follow suit, tracing the dark lines that pattern my left arm. Does it bother you? Her eyes meet mine. Why would it? It's beautiful. An expression of who you are or who you were at the time you got it. There's always a story behind them. I'll tell you mine someday, but first, I push the sleeves of her denim jacket down her <laughs> down her arms so it lands on the floor and she's standing in her pretty floral dress. Twirl for me. Twirl? The side of her mouth kicks up, unsure. I step back, leaning my weight against the top of the couch. You said you wanted to be pretty for me, so this is me noticing, Angel. Give your daddy a twirl oh. to show me how beautiful and sexy you are. <laughs> so she twirls, Julie. Was she this twirls. By a virgin! <laughs> I mean, after all the books she's written, I doubt she's a virgin. Oh my god, that sounds terrible no julie they're in love she also has a very professional looking website so and it has like a little let's chat box oh wow oh she has another book called boss daddy a dilf for father's day <laughs> oh well oh. put that in the old memory banks for fucking next june bud listen here this was the first in the collection i feel like the writing was powerful it was palpable <laughs> It was extremely story-driven. The characters were ripe. And uh, I think that uh, I'm going to read more from Megan Wade uh, in the future, frankly. All right. I absolutely will. Mark my words. Okay. You say, you heard it here first, folks. Aye, aye, aye. I'm a, I'm a fan. Okay. I'm a fan. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ooh. 
What you got for me, girl? What you got? Well, we're going to take a real tonal shift. And we're going to end on a chaste, chaste note. And I'm just going to read you a very quick um, little excerpt, which is uh, Amy's Craigslist ad for her bridesmaid business. Ah, okay. So she works up the nerve to uh, put up an ad and it starts with just a Craigslist ad. And then as things get better, one of her friends builds her a website. Um, But this is her first official call out. Looking for someone to support you on your special day? Your wedding day should be about you and your groom, not about drama, stress, and last minute tasks. That's why you need an experienced bridesmaid to balance out your wedding party. I'm Amy, a professional bridesmaid located in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I want to help make your wedding day perfect. Your friends and relatives love you, but they don't always know how to help when it counts. I'm a drama-free alternative with the skills to execute DIY projects, manage difficult guests and family members, and handle last-minute complications. While wedding planners are focused on the overall event, I'm focused on you, immersing myself in your bridal party to be an advocate and problem solver whenever you need one. If you need someone on your side of the altar to have your back, look no further. Experienced in DIY crafting, flower arranging, sewing, dress repair, baking, hair and makeup styling, sorting out last minute crises, de-escalating interpersonal conflict, and anticipating whatever you, the bride, might need in the moment. Travel area, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, and Northern Texas. Dress size, 12. Pricing, flat fee for wedding and reception, $300. Rehearsal dinner, $50. Bridal shower, $50. Bachelorette party, $50. Wedding dress shopping, $15 an hour. Decor creation and assistance, $20 an hour. Other needs priced upon discussion. Let me help you make your wedding day dreams come true. Ta-da! And I was like, I I would hire her. Right? I was like, you know, that's not bad. Like, when you think about all of the wedding costs and how expensive it is and all of that stuff, like, if you either, you know, had something happen where you had a mishap with a friend or, you know, I don't understand people who need to have even on both sides. I always found that, like, a weird situation. But, um, But, yeah, I think... The idea of having someone that you don't feel bad asking them to do stuff. Because I know so often I've been in so many weddings. I can't even tell you. I've been in weddings. I've emceed weddings. I've been, it's just like a whole thing. And it's a lot of work. And it's super stressful when you're a bride and you feel guilty asking people to help, even though they offer to help. But like when you pay someone, that guilt kind of goes out the window, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. That's the only reason I can get a massage. Oh, there you go. Because you're like, yeah. I don't feel bad. You're. I don't want to be- someone I know touching me. Ugh. <laughs> Let me give you money, and then obligation to reciprocate. It's gone. Absolutely. It's also no word of a lie. How I've gotten more than one person to go to therapy was using the argument of, you know, how when you vent to your friends and then you end up feeling guilty, like you're burdening them. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, that's what's so great about a therapist is like, you don't have to feel like you're taking up too much room in the conversation. They're not allowed to reciprocate and share their stuff. They're getting paid to listen to you complain about your life. And so I'm a big fan. And so I think that um, I think Amy from Clearly Beloved was onto something. So if you're listening to this and you're looking for a side hustle, um, consider being a professional bride. But um yeah, I mean, I, I would that. definitely read something else from Susie Dumont in the future. Uh, I would not read anything by the author of your book. <laughs> I'm going to absolutely read more because this book didn't suck. Honestly, like it didn't suck. The daddy stuff was kind of like, Ugh, but like she's writing for a man, right? And it was a lot, but her perspective from a woman was fine because obviously she has experience for that but she has a ton of books so i get the sense that like she's writing things that are relatable she's writing things that are horny and people are into it (laughs) so you know i'm gonna i'm gonna read another from her i absolutely will because it wasn't a shitty read it wasn't riddled with typos that was that were distracting Um, She puts like fat women on the covers of her books. We love this. We love this. I love it. I'm living for it. So maybe like her male character in this book wasn't, you know, the best, but we don't yuck yums. Some people want to be dominated by older 
men and that's fine. And if his behavior, like 90% of it was in his mind, only we, the readers (laughs) know that he's thinking like a weirdo, but he took care of her. And like, I'm, I wish I had somebody to pay for my life, frankly, Instead, I've got my own children who are my sugar babies, and it's just they give me nothing. <laughs> so I – you know what? If I had a sugar daddy who was just like, twirl for me, I'd be like, F- okay, fine. <laughs> if that's what you want. Like, oh, okay, but here's here's one thing I forgot to mention um, that I'm just remembering now that I feel like is a first for our, for our reading as well. Um, you had a period sex moment. I had a man who sniffs panties oh, in mine. Oh, boy. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Um, you know, I'm not here to yuck people's yums. Yes. And I appreciate, you know, it, it bugs me so much when I read shifter books or monster books where are like, I can smell your arousal. It's like, Ugh! like, don't, don't do that. But this man's just like, I'm going to smell your arousal. And you know what? He made it clear what he wanted. He went for it. He shot his shot. And he <laughs> sniffed some panties. And frankly, that's just honest. That was just an honest but, move. And she knew he was doing it. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. He was like, basically, it was a, basically a scene where he was like, give me them panties. Oh. And she was like, okay. And, you know, I'm not. I'm absolutely not here to yuck people's yums. The worst part of that was that he was he went down on her. He's like, "You taste like honey," and I was like, "Nobody's pussies taste like oh honey." Oh my god, uh, that would never happen. That's not a real thing. Yeah, you're like mine. <laughs> mine tastes like thawed meat. Like it's not a good scene. But nobody's gonna describe it like that in a book. Like no, nobody's gonna go down on me and be like, "Is that a brisket?" They're gonna be like, "Oh, <laughs> she's like honey." I want to believe that I'm living in a Lana Del Rey song. I don't know if you know the famous lyric of like, he said, my pussy tastes like Coca-Cola. And she swears that that's a real thing that a man said to her. And I want to live in a world in which that's my reality. And I don't want anyone to tell me otherwise. But that cherry cookie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. If her if her vagina tastes like Coca Cola, that's a pH issue, and I I need her to eat some yogurt. <laughs> no, it's because that's it's, concerning. No, it's not. It's because it was sweet. No, no, no. I'm t- Coca Cola has an incredibly intense pH balance, which is why you can clean a toilet with it. You can absolutely use it as like to take rust off of your car. You are 100 percent correct. 100. percent. I'm not wrong, but I, so I'm saying is like. Coca-Cola is not just a flavor, it's an experience, and that's because it's acid. It's an experience. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Like, I'm not fucking wrong. I wish you were, though. Come I... for me, scientists. <laughs> if you're a scientist leading to this and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to write them an angry letter, please fucking do, because we want to hear from you. Oh my god, how the fuck did we get up? This is an episode about bartending and we talked about panty sniffing and period sex and ruby red slippers and river dance. Fucking, we took y'all on a journey this week. So I'm going to do us all a favor and wrap this up right now and tell y'all to fucking gird your loins because a Rocktober is coming up. So you're going to get weeks of dealer's choice every week for the month of october where we're both just going to read some sort of sexy spooky situation so if you have a recommendation slide in the dms or email us if you um have a spooky sexy ghost story from your town if there's like a you know the myth of jean guy with the one boot or whatever like Hit us up. We want to hear about it because we're spending the entire month of October diving deep into sexy Halloween stories. It's Renee's favorite time of the year. You, it really is. I thrive. I'm going to tell you right now, Megan Wade, my author this week, has a book called Pumpkin uh, in case you're interested in reading something oh. that's not scary. Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm my boss and I are doing a couple's costume. I just started working there in ju- in like June <laughs> and already like I found my person in my work environment 
we bonded because she also has a ghost tattoo. Oh. Um, we're going to an RCMP event uh, as Beetlejuice and Lydia. So, what? Because you're not here to be the other part of ABBA with me. So I got to work with what I got. And that's Halloween people. We go hard. Oh. Like we go hard. Next year, like if I'm still working there, we'll probably do a Shrek and Fiona thing. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, I just, it's my time. And uh, I'm really excited to do all that. Wonderful. So excited. But here's the thing, though, is I can't wear Halloween gear to work because if I have to go to another sudden death, it's not going to be good if I show up looking like the Grim Reaper. People don't like that. <laughs> I heard it's a bad look. I've heard it. I don't know that I believe it, but I have heard it's a bit of a bad, lo- bad look. Cops don't like that. Cops, Cops don't, like, don't that. like that. Mm-mm. Um, no. cause they got, they don't believe in joy. Um, so yeah, if you're going to wear something to work, it has to be something that you could easily remove and doesn't, inqu- doesn't involve like makeup or anything. Yeah. I mean like, like a, like a grim reaper robe is pretty easy to like whip off, whip on, but you have to make sure you're wearing something underneath is my point. Yeah. Cause showing up naked to a naked. sudden death is also frowned upon. I heard they don't love that. <laughs> they don't love it. But it is the great start to an erotica. It certainly is. So join us for our next few episodes. If that is your jam, if you want to go down the spooky path with us, but it was lovely chatting with you and talking about truly everything under the sun this week. Renee. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited for October. Okay. I love you. Do you want to sing us out? I sure will. Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Are you two seeing this? Boys are out tonight, huh?